Okay, am I on? I'm on. Okay, I gotta fiddle with this to make sure it's right. So bear with me for a second. So I heard Jeff pray over somebody about fear. Felt like the Lord said, you need to talk about fear. And you know what that does to you is someone that's supposed to be talking about fear. It makes fear, right, come up inside of you. So you can experience, right, as you're trying to give the message, you fully experience the emotion of what you're conveying to people. So I felt like this was kind of a fitting photo, you know, our, our response, I don't know who did that, but that is creative. Uh, our response to fear is pivotal. Um, so first we're going to work it on laughing. I was listening to um, some messages about laughter and how it breaks things in our lives and brings forth just the goodness of God and that says God sits in heaven and he laughs. And so um, fear can be a little bit scary, right? It can be a scary thing to talk about. So I thought, well, it would do us good, some good to start with some laughter. So we have a, a little video here to get us, get our little laughter warming up as we start to address something that can be a little bit scary for us all. So if we can roll that clip. Working for you on the end. What's your name? Uh, it's Luke. Luke. Luke, yeah. So what do you do, Luke? I'm a student. You're a student. Excellent. Can we give it up for Luke, please? Come on up. Thank you. Now, um, could you stand on that side of me? So, Luke, I'm just going to give you a slight, uh, a slight makeover with this mask here. Take your glasses off. Thank you. And uh, oh, can you see? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, now, this is just a simple. Mask is going to take the heat off you. Right. Are you uh, are you comfortable? Oh yes, I'm loving it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is classic. Okay. Oh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> so um. Luke, yes, yes. Are you happy to be here? You're okay? Yes, I'm delighted with the way things are going so far. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, in fact, I'm really glad you got me up here. Why is that, Luke? Because I'd like to show you all my dance moves. <laughs> yes. Really, all my life I've been waiting for an opportunity like this. I think the world is ready to see my dancing. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to dance? Yes, I'm absolutely sure. Because you can sit down anytime you want. I'm not sitting down. Not till I've done my dancing, okay? Because your, bo your body language suggests that you might not want to dance. No, I really can't wait. I'll just put my hands in my pockets to conserve energy <laughs> for when the move starts to come thrusting out of me. Are you sure? Because you have free speech, you exercise your right to free speech. No, absolutely no need for that. I'm very happy to dance. Okay, well, whenever you're so sorry, don't be sorry, I'm loving it. <laughs> Um, they want you to 
to. I mean, they want you to, but if you don't feel like it, you don't have to. No, I think some music might help. Okay. Well, we can give you music. Hit the music. Is that good? Yes, that's excellent. <laughs> it's not too weird. No, Gypsy Klesner is my favourite genre. Okay, well, as long as you're sure. Yes, it's my favourite song. Okay. Whenever you're ready. I'm just waiting for the chorus. <laughs> I'm not sure there is one. Oh, okay. It's this bit. All right. No, not this bit. It's the next bit. <laughs> Listen, you can sit down. I'm not sitting down. <laughs> I feel cruel. No, I love you, Nina. Carry on as long as you like. All right, fine. Yes, I'm going I'm to show you all my left hand waving. Your left hand, yes, that would do. That's a start. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the inner joy came out of me in the end. Thank you so much. It was brilliant. Okay, I thought that was worth it. <sighs> um, I just felt like I could really, I could use that as we apply it to fear. So many of us, right, I feel like, um, we get in those positions and we almost freeze and that, you know, kind of like that guy, he's up there, he's been picked up out of the audience and uh, doesn't really want to do this, doesn't know what he's in for and, you know, the hands in the pocket and sometimes we do that with the Lord, right? We're like, oh, there's no way. There is no way. You're asking me to do this and there's no way I'm going to do it. Um, so fear, fear can be, fear can be a scary thing. So what I want to talk about today is um, the Lord just kind of brought me to some some people in the Bible, but first I want to, I want to pray in beforehand, which is a good thing to do, right, when you're trying to talk to people about what God's trying to say, and he said, you know, I just want you to look at the, some of the tension that people are, are dealing with, some of the fears that we're facing right now, and I work with the youth over in the gym on Wednesday nights, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of fear. Have, have you all noticed that there's fear kind of in the atmosphere? I'm sure you have, you know, the election, and then response to the election, and then wondering what's going on with our kids in school, or our, our parents in different parts of the world, or different parts of the U.S., um, and uh, there's just a lot of things that could, that could cause fear in our life. And then I was kind of like, well, you know, there's Christmas coming up. We were talking about holiday, and I think holiday is supposed to have, like, a good connotation. But I felt like, I feel like Christmas has almost become, um, it's like we're ramping up for a performance, sort of like getting up to speak, and we're starting to, like, we're starting to get a little anxious, right? Like, we want to have that perfect gift, and we got to have things out on time, and then we want to get the Christmas cards in the mail, and... And, um, you know, I got to get this wrapped and get that over. And we got to go, we're traveling here, we're doing that. And you almost, does it, does it start to create some of that anxiety inside of us, right? Like where we're like, oh, there's, there's a lot to do and I got a lot to take care of. And the holidays are here. And then there's family tension, you know. And I have plenty of friends that are just talking about some of those family dynamics that aren't the most fun to deal with. And so um, 
there's a lot of things that can create fear in our lives. Uh, I have a sweet friend who's dealing with a real serious situation with her with her teen, and I feel like this is so prominent, especially I think I'm in that teen world with the youth, and uh, she, she and her husband are at their wit's end, and um, they've, had, they've had some notices come, come from the school. There's been some counselors speaking with one of their teens. Um, they've had the police show up late at night to do a well check on their son. They didn't even know it was happening. Police show up, go, well, we got some information that said um, that, that, that things weren't okay at school. Some kids reported some situations and were coming to check up 11 p.m. at night. And there, those things can, can create some tension in our life. That, that can create some fear for us, right? Um, and it doesn't even have to be that major. I mean, <laughs> I was doing, I was just learning about kind of what, what some of the fears are going on. And uh, some, okay, so I'm going to get you all up hip. I, at least I feel like I am. So FOMO. How many of you guys have heard of FOMO? Anybody hear that term? Somebody that's got some kids has heard of FOMO. F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. This is what we've got going on in the Snapchat realm. So if you've got kids that are 10 to 16 to 18, they're into these apps, right? The apps that keep you in the loop. Snapchat, there for two minutes, gone. There for two minutes, gone. This is how you stay up to up to speed with your friends and what's going on in the world. And it creates this fear of missing out. And it feeds on the fear of missing out. And that's what makes it so popular. Kids don't want to be missing out on what's going on. So it creates a fear. Um, and there's all kinds of other things. There's medical issues. Um, I was thinking through some of the fears we've faced. And a lot of you know the story when our five-year-old was diagnosed with a heart defect, and we were told that um, not only would he need surgical repair for his heart, but he would need open heart surgery for his repair. And then, so you, you feel that tension rise, and you feel, um, what does that mean for my life? What, what is, how do I handle that? And so our, what I want to really focus on is our response to the fears that we're facing, job changes, um, living situation changes, a car breaks down, um, simple things. I just feel like I'm looking at, um, we don't watch a ton of TV, but we do joke about it because I try to bring some clarity for our kids about what's going on from the media. And how many of you ever heard that commercial, like, buy it now before it's gone, right? Or get it in the next 30 minutes and you'll get for $29.99. But what they're feeding on, right, is our fear of missing out or our fear of not having whatever it is that we feel like they're telling us we need to have. So I feel like they're constantly, so I say, oh, yeah, kids, you got to get a new car now or else your life won't look like this ever. You need to buy this car and things will go well. But if not, what's going to happen to you? And You may not be that kid. You need the new iPhone. You got to get the new update. Does anyone feel that little bit of pressure? I feel this pressure sometimes. The new, the new update for the operating system comes out, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I, maybe, maybe I need to get the new operating system. And then there's that other fear that comes in, like, what if it's, what if it's no good? What if, what if it doesn't work, right? And my, my phone starts shutting down. My battery starts dying in five minutes, right? And, and there's all these things that create a tension in our life. And so I feel like how we respond to those fears 
is really an important thing to address. And I feel like that's what the Lord's saying. He's like, there's so many fears, but we have some choices to make. And how we're going to address those is really, really important. Um, so I could give you my own opinion, but I don't think it would hold as much weight as what, when we kind of just look at the word. So what I'm going to do is similar like that comedian who plucked a people, couple people out of an audience or one person out of an audience. We're going to look at two people that were picked out of a group of people by the Lord, and they were chosen for a task. Um, they're both chosen for the same task, and they were um, both did not feel necessarily prepared or adequate for the task. Um, and they both, I believe, looking at their story, had fears that rose up when they were, they were said, hey, I'm at, the Lord's asking me to do this. It's time to, to rise up. Um, those two people are Saul, King Saul, first Saul, first king of Israel, and David, second king of Israel. And so we're just going to run a quick parallel. I don't, I don't want to make this really long. Um, of some of the f challenges that can create fears and the choices they made um, and how they responded to those fears. I feel like I need to step up every now and then just because I can see y'all back there better. Anyway, and then also, you know, how does that relate to our own fears? So I want to talk about that, and then I'm just going to wrap it up um, with a, a few tools that I feel like I've started to use in my life, I've tried to use, haven't used them amazingly all the time, um, but that we can, there are things that the Lord gives us to use as tools to address some of these things, these fears that rise up and the choices that we have to make. Okay, uh, let's think. Okay, I'm going to start with Saul, and I'm going to run through both of their stories real quick. So for those of you who aren't as familiar with Saul, some of us know David a little bit better. Saul was um, chosen by God to be first king of Israel. Um, he was handsome and tall and good-looking, and basically the word says he was impressive, and he was without equal among the Israelites. And he, really short synopsis, kind of follows the Lord a little bit, is nervous about it, starts to look around and see the people and hear the opinions of the people around him, and eventually comes to disaster, really. Ultimately, um, he commits suicide, really. And um, David, on the flip side, is the next king that's chosen. He's not necessarily king material. He is a boy at the point that he is anointed to be king. He is young. He is doing a dirty job, and he smells. He works with sheep and cow poop and all those yucky things that happen out on the pastures. And um, there is there's some people that believe that he may have even had um, a different mother than his other seven brothers, that he may have been sort of um, not actually part of the whole family, and so an illegitimate child. So there, there's that. And so we have some contrasts here of their personalities and their backgrounds. So in Samuel, 1 Samuel, I want to look at um, um, how Saul first responds to fear. 1 Samuel 10.22, and I'm just going to read this to you. If you have your Bible, you can flip. We'll hang out in, in Samuel the whole time. So... 
this is where Saul's been anointed king. So that means Samuel the prophet has said, the Lord said, you are the one. And he put some oil on him. That's the anointing. But he has not been publicly kind of pronounced king. So he hasn't been brought out in big ceremony. So they're doing that now. They're looking and they're saying, okay, uh, so where's the guy? Let's bring him forward. Let's see who the king is, all right? And it says, finally, Saul, son of Kish, he was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? What's, where is he? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Um, I, wanna, I want you just to, to rest there for a second. We see that, that already Saul has been told that he is to be king. So he already knows that. There was a private ceremony for him. And the prophet already said, the spirit of the Lord is on you. You are going to be the first chosen king of Israel. But what he has done with the word of the Lord, what has he done with the promise of the Lord that's spoken over his life? We see his initial response, his first emotional response. What does he do? It says he hid in the baggage, right? So he has a fear response rise up to the calling that the Lord has on his life. And how he responds is by hiding. So to me, I look at that and I say, did he or did he not believe the words spoken over him at that point? Did he believe what they are saying about what the Lord said about who he is and what he is called to do? At that point, I feel like he did not believe it because he went and he hid. He was not feeling up to the calling. In contrast, I want to look at David. And David, his um, response is in 1 Samuel 16, 21. So David, I'll flip there real quick so I can actually get it correct, 16, 21. So David was kind of, had come, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit, 16, uh, 12. This is the anointing of David. So David was anointed, and then it was quite a while before he became king. Saul remained as king over, like, the visual, strong, in operation king for quite some time. So 12 says, rise and anoint David. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord was on David in power. But what is what is David's first thing he does, his first response that I can find in the word to that anointing, to the calling that the Lord has on his life, is he steps into service. And I thought this was interesting. I don't think I'd realized this before, but it says he steps into the service of Saul. So he knows that he's supposed to be king. He hears the call in his life, and he steps in, and he begins to serve the king, which must have been a little bit confusing for him, but that is what he's asked to do by the king. The king says, I'm being tormented. He tells his messengers, go find someone that plays music so I can settle my spirit. There's a storm in my mind. And they go out and they go, oh yeah, we know this guy. And it's the favor of the Lord is already on him. And they say, bring him into the courts of the Lord and he will serve in the courts of the Lord. And I think it's just so interesting. And David accepts that position, even though he knows He's called to something higher, right? There's a, there's a training, there's a process that he's going to walk through. Okay, so we can apply that, right? So how many of us have felt like we've ever had a calling on our life, right? Or we feel like, hey, I'm, 
I don't know. I, I played sports. I knew that that was sort of a gifting I had. People would tell me that over and over. They'd come up, oh, wow, you're really good. We saw you run really fast. I have, we make fun of my, <laughs> my kids. My limbs are exceedingly long. <laughs> so I have I'm a, an inch to, <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> Mike says, don't go there. I'm going there. I'm a, I'm a lot this much shorter than Mike. And my, my reach my reach is about that much further than my husband. <laughs> so we call them my go-go gadget arms. But I have go-go gadget legs as well. They're very, very long. And so people would always come up to me, oh, you'd be a great runner, you'd be a great runner. So, over, you know, and we've had people, all of us have had people come up to us and say, wow, you seem like you're, you, you do this well. Or, or, boy, I feel like maybe this is what the Lord has for your life if you've been in, in a church setting or, or something like that where, People are trying to speak into your life. But we have a choice, right? There, there's always, when we hear a calling or we are asked to do a task, the natural thing is, oh, my gosh, the fear can rise up. Jeff asked me a couple weeks ago, he's like, all right, so when do you want to speak to here or here? And I was like, I don't know if no is an option at this point because he just he gave me two dates and that was it. Um, but, it, you know, the first response is, you can let that fear rise up, and how am I going to respond to that? Oh, my gosh, it's the week before Christmas. You know, the kids are the busiest in school. Um, they have all their little parties, so i got to get each of them a little present. This one needs plates. This one needs that. You know, you've all been there. Um, and the youth is doing their big thing tonight. They're doing their big Christmas party. And um, there's just so much going on this week, and I was like, okay, all right, I mean, I've got too much going on. I'm just not going to be able to do it. I mean, I was preparing for a message on fear, and I'm walking in fear. I'm like, there is no way this is coming together. I am not ready, you know. Uh, but God is good, and we, if we can step out, and if we can respond to the fear the way he asks us to, we really, that's, that's, his, that's his request, is just do what he asks us to do. So uh, we're going to move on. We're going to look at two, two other, maybe three other points. Um, so Saul hides in the baggage, and David responds in a position of service. He's doing what he's been asked to do. The king calls him and says, hey, you need to come play some music. You're good at music. We want you to play music. And David's thinking, I'm supposed to be king. Um, this next one I want to point out, the next point of sort of um, confusion and fear and decision-making for Saul as a king comes up in 1 Samuel 10, 27. And I'm going to dig into this one just a little bit more. Two reasons. One is because this is a story that is not as well known by a lot of us, but it is, the second reason is that it's the point at which, um, the pivotal point for Saul that makes or breaks him as going forward as the king of Israel. And I looked up pivotal. Where did, oh, I wanted to read this to you. I used pivotal as... Um, our response to fear is pivotal. And I thought this was really, this is the reason I liked that word. It says, it's an adjective. It's, pivotal means it's of crucial importance in relation to the development or success of something else. So how res we respond to that, that point of fear, that point of what we're going to do about something, it is pivotal. It is of utmost importance as to how something turns out, whether for good or for bad. And so in this situation, we see the response that Paul makes is pivotal for the kingdom and his kingship 
being torn from his hands, as the Bible says. I want it to, so we'll look, let me look at that book, 1027. I think I got it marked. Um, let me think here. I don't see it. I don't think there is a 1027. There it is. You got, there you go. So, Saul's been, just been a, presented as king. Now he's no longer just anointed. Now everybody knows he's the man. He's in charge. This is the guy that we're following. We wanted a king, and this is the guy that we're going to do what he says, right? So Saul went to his home in Gibeah. He was accompanied by valiant men. Actually, I skipped ahead. Sorry. This is not the, the story I was going. I'm going for the, accu- the accuser. So Saul has an accuser come up against him, and so does David in just a minute. He's accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought no gifts, but Saul kept silent. So I'm going to read it one more time. I want you to listen to the response that Saul makes to to the accuser in his life. How can this fellow save us is what they said. And they despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. That keeping silent and doing nothing, that is a response to a choice that we have to make, right? We, when we have fear, sometimes we want to be silent. Sometimes we want to do nothing at all. Sometimes I want to crawl under my sheets in my bed and turn the little blanket heater thing on and just get really cozy and and not do anything when that fear rises up. Um, There's so many responses to fear, but I think it's really important that we notice that there is an accusation made against the calling on his life. And David had a similar accusation made against the calling in his life. And if you go to 1 Samuel 16, oops, sorry, his brother accuses in 1 Samuel 17, 16. And you, I had not seen this before, so I don't know this. Maybe y'all are probably, here's my Texas, y'all are probably... Um, wizards on the word, but David's going up, and I'm set the scene real quick. We know the story of Goliath. Most of us do, the big, tall, giant guy. So David's walking up to the battle lines. He's doing what he's been told to do by his dad. Go up, check on your brothers, see what's going on. David does that. He goes up to the battle lines. He's like, hey, what's going on? And he starts to hear that there's this guy accusing the Israelites of being wimps, and they're, he's um, really blaspheming, he's calling names against their God, and he's saying, um, you know, you guys are too scared to fight me. And, David's, and, and it's true, all, the whole Israelite army is responding in fear. The word says, I have it. When the Israelites saw him, Goliath, they all ran from him in fear, 1 Samuel 17, 24. But I, before, right there, right at that point, when they're in fear, oh, I think the page turned on me. Hold on. David's there. And his brother makes an accusation against him. Now, I want to just point out that his brother was present when he was anointed king. So only his his family and his brothers knew that he was going to be the next king to be proclaimed. He hasn't been proclaimed yet, 
he's your average Joe. He's doing shepherding stuff and playing harps and stuff, okay? But it says, why have you come down here, his brother asked, and who did you lose the, leave those few sheep in the desert with? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So a lot of you know this verse. Just before that, when he was anointed king, the Lord told Samuel, do not, I do not look at the outward appearance as man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart, and I have chosen another, not the eldest brother, not the one that looked like the king. But it's so interesting to me right here that it says, his brother attacks his heart. The accuser comes and says, I know your heart, how wicked your heart is, and you came only to watch. And they feel they're going to be defeated at this point. So his brother um, is really operating, you know, really out of a spirit of fear. And also I feel like the enemy's working through him to make an accusation against the calling on David's life, where it says, God said, I know your heart, David, and I'm calling you forward because of your heart. So what does David do? We get to look, and this is something that happens in our lives, right? We may have accusations come at us all the time. It says, David speaks up. He doesn't remain silent. Verse 29, he says, what have I done? I can't even speak. And he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. But I feel like this really important. It's just a few words, but it says he turned away from the accuser, for the, the person that's speaking against what's been spoken by the truth, the word of God in his life. So he's no longer um, going to sit there and listen to the voice of this person accusing him that, oh, yeah, you're not worthy, you're not able. Are you guys tracking with me? Does this make sense? Okay, so have you guys ever had, you know, we have this choice to make in our lives where um, even when I'm ca- trying to come up and speak, you know, the voice that many will come out, you know, you're not, you don't know what you're doing. You really, you're a woman, you know, you've heard these messages in the Bible that women aren't supposed to take in charge, whatever. You know, we, the enemy can easily remind you of so many things, even small things that have spoken in our past and bring those up and start to make those try to operate in our lives, and we have a choice. Are we going to respond to that fear that's rising up, or are we going to um, do something different? And that's what I want to talk about is do what does David do as compared to what Saul did? David turned away, and I feel like he turned away because he was believing the voice and the calling that God had put on his life. I think truly from the moment that it was spoken that he was to be the next king, he assumed it was true, and he began to operate in the truth of that calling. We'll see that again in just a second. I'm going to make one more comparison. Um, and this is the story I referred to earlier. I had just gotten ahead of myself. It's the story of um, King Agag and the Amalekites. And so this is where Saul, this is the point, the the crux of the moment where he the, the kingdom's going to be ripped from his hands because he makes the wrong decision. Hey, someone's calling me. Is it God? It's not God. Uh, I don't get very many phone calls. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't have a whole lot going on. And so it's almost a little bit exciting, you know. You're like, hey, hey, that's kind of cool. Someone's calling me. Uh, but it should be happening now. 
I, I don't even know who it is. Um, <laughs> so that's not very good, is it? All right. It's probably sales call. It's Christmas. I'm going to give you this, the skinny on the Amalekites. Okay. So the Amalekites are the people that, as soon as Israel was coming up out of Egypt, the Lord said, we are to completely destroy those people. They came up against Israel, and they tried to keep them from moving forward into the promised land. Okay. And God did not like them. He is not happy with the Amalekites because they were fighting against his people from the very beginning. So he ha God has a bone to pick with the Amalekites, and he says to Saul, I want you to go out, and I want you to fight these Amalekites, and I want you to obliterate them and don't touch their goods or their plunder, and I want you to kill all the animals as well. Nothing is to remain. So Saul... He, he does it. He listens to the word of the Lord. In this case, good job, Saul. You're moving forward. You're doing what the Lord's asking you to do. We have all done that, right? We're all right. I hear what you're asking me to do. I'm going forward. I'm going to do this. I got this. Saul is a warrior. Saul likes war. He has a huge army, like 10,000 men, and then like, I don't know, crazy amounts of people on horseback and all this stuff. And he says in the word that he's constantly going around in the city and looking for new warriors. So he has a thing for building up his army. And we'll see that becomes his downfall, really. We'll start to see that Saul is leaning on the people around him and the strength of man and the mindset of men versus leaning to the commands of the Lord and the voice of the Lord and the strength of the Lord. So let's look at this. So what? At 15:17, real quick, this is what he does. Mm, Samuel's upset. So Samuel's the one that has the dirty job of going to Saul and saying, look, you messed up, dude. He said, Saul did not, let's see, let me make sure I've got the right verse. Samuel goes, you didn't obey the Lord. Verse 20, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission that the Lord told me to. I've, I've said that before. I destroyed the Amalekites, and I brought back their king Agag. Okay, so he feels like, or at least he's saying in his mind, I did what you said, I destroyed the people, and I brought back the king. He's twisting the assignment a little bit here. And I feel like I've done that before in my own life, where I said, Yo, you know, I really, I, I did what you told me to do. You know, I'm pr I pretty much, I pretty much got, well, I got there sort of, right? We almost got there. And um, in this case, that's not what the Lord's asking him to do. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder and the best what was of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, verse 22, the Lord does delight does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So, so Saul's being kind of tricky. You know, we're smart people, and God made us smart. But he's trying to be, use his smartness to sort of try to get away with something here. And he said, oh, but the soldiers, the soldiers did a great thing. Guess what they did? They brought back some sacrifices for you, prophet to sacrifice to the Lord in worship. And Samuel says, I'm not looking for your acts of sacrifice. That is not what the Lord asked you to do. Have any of us ever done that where we go like, oh, but Lord, look what I did for you. Look, I, I, I went out and I, um, you know, well, I fed the hungry people or 
or I gave money to an organization or um, who knows, you know, I said I was sorry. I've had to do that so many times. I've said I'm sorry to my kids. But if that, those are good things and that's fine. But we have to be so careful that are we acting in obedience what the Lord's called us to do or are we just doing something that makes us feel better? An act that we feel like a sacrifice to us is what the Lord's asking. He's saying, no, I just want you to do what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you to do all these other things. I'm going to ask you to spin in circles busy for me, right? And I feel like, it, for me, it's real easy. I feel like fear of missing out can come into play sometimes. Like, maybe I'm missing out on all the things God wants me to be doing. Maybe I should step into this ministry. I do a little bit of that. And I step over here, I could do a little bit of that. And he probably wants me doing a little of this, too. You know, and it's really easy to start spinning, even in a good way. Um, but that is not, and he's just making it real clear, that's not what he's asking me to do. Okay, so, verse 24. This is why Saul did it. He comes clean. I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. And I feel like that is such a strong statement that he just says, the fear rose up, and I caved. He is working in the mindset of men. He is listening to the opinions of his warriors around him saying, don't you think this is a good idea? Don't you think we should bring this back to sacrifice? Let's save the king. Maybe he could put him over another part of the country. Maybe he'll be a great ruler for us. Maybe it'll make us look better that we have the king and we can show him off to other people around us and say, look how strong we are. I don't know what they were thinking. But I just feel like it's really easy to relate to the fact that um, that system of thinking, that, that type of thinking is so easy to fall into and say, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to call up my mom and see what she thinks about me going to college in Virginia. Or I'm going to call my dad and ask him. And did you ever go through that point where you're like, you start calling everyone on your list? Like, hey, what do you think I should do? Should we move? Should we sell our house? Should we not sell our house? Where should I put my kids in school next year at the school? You know, there's a new charter school. Maybe we should go to. And we start consulting and we start um, sort of, we call it putting out feelers sometimes, right? Even for new jobs, we're putting out feelers. And those aren't bad things, but what is the Lord asking you to do? If we know what the Lord is asking us to do, it's real important that we, we heed that voice, right? And we don't let the fear rise up and cause us at that pivotal moment to start going down a different track. So we're watching two kings, and they both have these points of fear, these points of decision, and they start to go in opposite directions because they're following a different lead, they're listening to a different voice in their mind. There's an enemy speaking to them in both situations, and there's God speaking to them in both situations, and they have a choice to make. And we all come to those points in our life. The mom that's dealing with the teenager and doesn't know what to do. We have, a, we have that point where we can walk in fear or we cannot walk in fear. Um, oh, my gosh, it's long. It's getting late. Guys, sorry. Okay. If you, have to, if you have kids, you need to go grab your kids because I have kids. So I'll be leaving, and you can finish up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Someone can get my kids. Um, the last one I just want to point out, and then I'm so glad we did prayer ahead of time. Good job, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the Lord because we don't have time now. We can stay and pray after you bring your kids in. Um, I love that it, David, and you all know this story, so I'm just going to make it quick, where he faces Goliath, right? And he has a choice to make. He is one man 
out of a whole army, and he's not even a man yet, he's one boy, the scripture says, that goes up against a giant. And he says, and I'm just going to emphasize this one verse. I think I'm going to emphasize this one verse real quick. It shows, this verse specifically says, who's David, whose voice he's hearing? Who is he trusting in the midst of the storm? It says, the Lord who delivered, I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And right there, he's trusting in the Lord as he walks into this. And it says a little bit later, as he walks up to the battle lines, there's Goliath and he's got his armor bearer. And it says, David took up his stones, we know that, put his little sling, blah, blah, blah. And he runs. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm full of fear, Sometimes getting in motion, sometimes making your body do something like dancing gets you past the fear, right? And so he starts running at Goliath, and I think in part because he's afraid. He is saying, I either get going or I'm going to be frozen with fear. And so I just love that point where David has the choice to make. And I I wanted to show you that dance video. I'm going to wrap it up, and then um, I forgot to you. I had a couple slides. I totally forgot about them. I'm sorry. Could you put the third one up real quick? There's a sequence of events, and I just wanted you guys to see this. This is what we could kind of see operating in our, our life. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. And watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. And watch your character, because it becomes your destiny. And I feel like we watched that play out in Samuel, I mean, I'm sorry, in David, as he made thoughts and decisions and and habits, and then character, and then destiny. And the same thing with Saul, where he made choices, and his thoughts made actions, and his actions made a character out of him, which ultimately ripped the kingdom out of his hands. So I think it's just so important. And then the last slide I wanted to show you, I don't know if it's, do we have it? I wanted to give you these tools um, just as practical applications. We have used these in our lives, and I'm trying to kind of finish this up and close it down. But there are so many things. The reason I want to show you the dance video, I think it's so true that sometimes we get frozen with fear and forcing our body to do something like dance up front and worship. That's not my natural thing. I don't normally like, oh yeah, I want to be up front and dance. But it forces my mind to get into a mode of worship. And the Lord has said, this is what I want you to do. So I'm doing it. I don't, it's not my natural inclination to be up front and jumping around all the time. But it's a, it's an act that gets me past, um, all the stuff that's going on in my head. And so Mike and I were talking through these. Um, we can renew, renew our mind, and we can actively renew our mind. These are things that take actions. It's not stuff that just happens. Um, we meditate on God's word. And we were talking about you can, we can memorize it, but there's a difference between that and meditating. And so meditating is like chewing on a cud for a cow that's coming back over and over and over, and we're forcing it into our mind so that our mind can't think other thoughts. Speaking the word out loud, declarations, and I'm going to just have these up here. These are some fun declarations, um, really helpful. I printed out some that we can just, truth that we can speak out over our life to sort of get us past points of um, decision-making or fear. There are some that look a little bit different. This is like a kid version, and I just liked it because I thought, I'm going to bring it home to my kids. So maybe if you have kids. And then... um, Pray in tongues. Mike's been talking about that. If you did miss any of that, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit.
Spirit. And just what a gift that the Spirit was on these kings when they were um, anointed as the kings. But the Spirit lives inside of us. And that is such a huge help for us in these times. And the last one, I put worship and dance just because the movement and getting our body in motion sort of um, dispels some of those fears. It gets us going in the right direction. So um, I'm sorry I kind of had to wrap that up real quick. But thank you guys, each of you, for coming tonight. And I do feel like um, the Lord wants to address just fear in general as we go into holiday, as we move into times with families that can be tense, um, expectations that might be unmet, even as the holiday goes past. And um, we're ha- I would love to stay and pray, so I'll be up here to pray for you all. We'll just put some music on, and um, you're free to go. But if you have any struggle with fear or anything else that you want prayer for, if you didn't get bit prayed for earlier, overcome that fear. Walk up here. Ask for prayer. That'll do it. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. <laughs>